Hi there, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ. I want to welcome you as we open up God's Word and learn how it can help us. One of the greatest books in the Bible that hits exactly where we live is the book of Job. One of our elders, Brother Phil Barnes, addressed the book of Job and how it applies to our lives. So open your Bibles and study along with us as we learn about Job. What I like to do uh, when I used to preach or in addition to just doctrinal things or things that, uh, which are doctrinal too that applies to our daily lives. And as I get older, one of my favorite books that I've studied and continue to study, uh, Don, I know you like Ecclesiastes. Well, I'm kind of like that with Job now because I think Job uh, depicts more of our lives and dealing with things of this life as much as any other book in you know, why has this happened to me? Why do these things occur in my life to me, both physically and emotionally and in every facet of our life? So we're going to take a, just, a, just a glide through the book of Job, kind of a quick glide here, uh, and talk about some certain passages here. You know, in the first part of Job here, Job is a great man. In Job 1.1, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. And we know Job had a lot of everything. In our day and time, Job would have lived in either downtown Franklin or he would have been like one of these two houses probably out off between Goose Creek and Franklin over there on the right where you've seen the buffalo roam. That would have been Job as far as what he had. He had everything by this world's standards. But later on, God has, uh, as it says down here later on, in verse 6, where the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, the Lord uh, tells Satan, he says, where do you come from? I think this is great because this is conversations directly between God and Satan that we see in the Bible here. And he says, roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. And then he differs from this day and time. Well, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him. Blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. So Satan tells God, well, you know, God, uh, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions and increased the land. Put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, and surely he will curse you, your face. And then the Lord says to him, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only put forth, do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of God. Now, what we see here is a man in this period of time, he had all kinds of livestock. And one of the greatest sources of wealth in Eastern culture was camels. You know, the other night when Mike and Paula Waters were here, we went to dinner with them afterwards, and Mike's just got back from Africa. He's on the board of this, uh, it's a non-profit orphanage uh, that this physician in Coleman has set up. And as we talked, we went to supper, and you know how Mike was. He was a meat and potatoes guy. But uh, Mark, and I'll never forgive you for this, Mark. I'll never eat at this restaurant again. But Mark Jones recommends this Italian restaurant that I was up practically the whole night, Sunday night, 
Um, maybe he did that on purpose. Anyway, Mike tells us when he goes to Africa that he uh, ate camel and he ate alligator. And he ate all kinds of things. Wesley, you'd have been proud of him. He said alligator wasn't good, but he said the camel meat was good meat. It probably was. It's one of those things where if you ate it and didn't know what you were eating, you'd probably enjoy it. But in Eastern culture, camels were a source of wealth. We see that in the space of just a few hours, Job loses everything. He's lost his ten children. He's lost everything he owns. I mean, all at once. And then we see... Later on, the symbols of sadness, the shaving of one's head, the tearing of one's clothes. And in verse 22, through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Incredible, isn't it? That Job would be bested, that Satan was bested by Job here. He's a better man than I. I mean, you take away one or both of my children, my home, my job, all of my things that I have. I'm sure I'd be complaining. And then in chapter 2 here, the Lord says to Satan, he, he, he prods Satan again. He says uh, in verse 3, Hey, uh, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? For there's no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. And Satan comes back. Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. However, you put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, he will curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power, only spare his life. And Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore bulls from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Satan tells God that Job, he just hadn't been hurting up God or he'd be cursing you. He just hadn't allowed enough me to do enough to him yet. Satan, obviously, as we see here, which is so true in this day and time, that Satan is limited by God. And that's a that's the thing that gives me a lot of hope too. On these afflictions. I've never really had a boil. I mean I've had a pimples, things like that, but I'm sure people with and you've experienced maybe some really painful boils, but I've just never had one, so I can't really relate to it, but I know people that have, their immune system goes down, and um, Dave, you know about this more than anybody in your field, and Don, but uh, when your immune system shuts down, the infection comes, and you have boils like this, this was awful, what he had, though, it would have been as severe pain as any physical pain you would have had, and of course, with this, obviously, he has great emotional pain, which to me... Uh, the mental pain somehow becomes worse than the physical pain. And Satan then, of all things, in verse 9 here, he uses somebody else here. Not only has he taken everything away from him, almost, except his life, his wife says, Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. Of all people to depend on is your wife. Now she brings a question up. We all know how influential our spouses are with us. If we have a good relationship, this man's about as low as you can get. 
and if he can have his wife say something to him, who has he got? Well, Job has incredible faith. In verse 10, he says, You speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. What an incredible person. I mean, I look at Jesus Christ. He is the author and the model and the perfect. But when I look at a person that I can relate to that isn't from the Godhead, I can relate to Job as being one of the greatest men of integrity that, that has ever walked this earth here. He had three friends later on. We all know about them. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And they carry on a lengthy speeches to Job about that he, you, know, you must have sinned or you wouldn't be suffering like this. Only a person that sins can be suffering like this. But you know, God's promised us something. Over in 2 Timothy 3.12, God promises, He says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We've been promised that. If you haven't been persecuted for some reason, as a Christian, I'm not necessarily talking physical, but just in this life, feel like you're, you've been kind of abused from the outside. Well, that's part of being a Christian. And the fact is, if we get angry, we lose a family member, we lose our job, we lose our spouse, we lose things in our life, we get discouraged with God. But what we have to remember is we are the creatures and He is the Creator. And we don't have a right to question anything with God because He gives us everything we have and He is God. That in and of itself is why we should serve God. You know, we're going to have to accept the fact in this life that sometimes that babies are born with physical or mental deficiencies, that there's poverty and war that we see going on right now. There are children in this world and even in this community who are physically and sexually abused, and on and on and on. Why doesn't God stop it? Why doesn't God stop all the stuff that's going on if He's really the God of love and a God that really loves us? Modern man does not like to hear that, but what God says to Job and what he says to us is to shut up. I don't have to tell you why. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. He never answers Job in all this discourse about why he allowed Satan to afflict him with all these calamities. Well, the question is, Job, do you still hold on to your integrity? I want to tell you, in Job 1.1, it says here, that he was blameless and upright. He wasn't a perfect person like Jesus Christ. The Bible references many things. I mean, he refers to an elder that must be they must be blameless. But also Noah was a blameless and upright man. He was a man of righteousness. Noah was a great man, but he wasn't perfect. But he was spiritually and morally upright. And that's what the Bible discusses when it, it discusses the whole man. When I think of a whole man in human terms, I think of two individuals that I was up close to. 
One time I went to a Vanderbilt, Florida game and I had a pass on the sideline and I was standing at the entrance. Florida was coming in. Javon Curse is like a monster. I've never seen a guy as big as him. He had to duck his head. I mean, we're talking about football players are usually like this. Javon Curse was like this. Couldn't believe it. I looked at this guy and he walked right by me and I'm thinking, how could you live being tackled by this guy? Went to a Braves game one time and looked at Mike Piazza. Brent, you've seen him. He comes out there, and if I had to look at a perfect person from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, this guy had it. I mean, he had the muscles, the arms, the legs. In, in human terms, he was a whole man. Jim, you've written a book on George Washington. Every account I've written about him, he was a lot larger in life than most people in that period of time. He would have been a whole man. When God talks about a whole man, though, he's talking about something that's different. Job was a whole man, even though he was a physical and emotional wreck. He had no possessions, no children at one time. But he was a whole man because he had his integrity. That made him a whole man. When I look at the person in my life, as Ron said, the person in Jimmy in their life that they wanted to please was their dad. Well, in my life, my dad was a man of integrity. My dad wouldn't have been up here preaching today. He wouldn't have been leading, leading any public prayers or leading singing. But he lived a Christian life. He was a private man. He lived by example. He lived by teaching. But it was more of a lifestyle. Oh, sure, he told me things I should and shouldn't do. But he was a whole man because of the way he lived. And as I live and meet people in my business that dealt with my mouth, I've talked to people. But Dad ran a credit union for a major corporation. And he liked the little man. And I've had so many people say, well, that's your dad. I wouldn't have what I have now. Your dad took a chance with me. He took a risk. I didn't have a lot of collateral. But my dad was good on He could read people. Good. First impressions and everything. And if he trusted somebody... You know, he was going to go to bat for them no matter what their collateral was. That was a whole man. Jesus says the same thing in Luke, the 12th chapter. If you turn over there with me a minute. In verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said to him, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. It doesn't matter what I own or what I have. That's not my life. My life is who I am. And that's what we have to look at. This world's standards are not the standards that you and I look up to. And then the last question is, does Job fear God for nothing? Job asked God time and time again through the book of Job, why are these things happening? Job hangs on. I'm sure there were times that Job felt like he was going to break, but he knew 
that God does not allow any more than we can bear. He got really deeply depressed, but he kept his faith. In fact, in chapter 31 and 32, Job gets self-righteous almost about his innocence. And by chapter 38, God has heard enough. And God, we're not going to read all this, but God responds. And he asks Job, where were you when I laid the foundation? Who are you to question me? Where were you when I laid the foundation for the world? Where were you when I made the birds of the air and brought the gentle rains to the earth? Bottom line is God says Job doesn't have the wisdom or knowledge to ask the right questions. But yet, what do I do? I want God. I grew up in a very secure setting. Had wonderful parents. You know my mother. Couldn't ask for any better mother than I have. I had wonderful uncles. I still think about my uncles almost as much as I do my dad, the ones that have passed. They were great examples to me. My dad's brothers and my mom's brother. I think of the lifestyle that I had. We had a house here in Nashville, upper middle class, great ranch house, three bedrooms, two baths, like a lot of you grew up in. But we had a farm about two hours away in Lincoln County. We'd go to that on weekends. I had the best of both worlds. All my cousins down there to play with and take up for me when I said things to people I shouldn't. And <laughs> they were all big. I tell you, my dad was a runt. I had had everything. I mean, I've had a great job. got a great wife and children. I got my, you would say, you got your golf clubs. I do have that, but I've got my Kubota. I like my Kubota tractor better than my golf clubs. I enjoy that. I got my things. And we get angry with God at times and think, you know, God, I'm faithful. You know, I hadn't cheated anybody. I hadn't murdered anybody. I hadn't been in jail. I hadn't been married six or eight times. I mean, I've been a good guy by this world's standards. But... We tend to ask God, as Ron said in class, we tend to want a rational God who will answer every question that we have, and as Ron said in class, on our time schedule, to answer our prayers now. I want it now, God. I want this suffering to end now. I want whatever problems in my life to end now. You've said you'd do it, and I do it. I've stood on my end of the bargain. I'm here, and I'm asking you for it. But you know, the deals that we make with God, He doesn't make those with us. If God allowed Satan to take away my family, my job, my health, the question is, and the question is to you and to me, is would I still serve Him? And I could tell you this right now, that, oh, I would. But it's like trying to sympathize with somebody going through a situation that you've never been through. Do you walk in their shoes? You don't know. I would like to hope and think, but all I can do is try to prepare myself by studying my Bible, by praying to my Lord, by living the Christian life, by helping those in need, by just being there for you. 
And I really think by my faith in God that, yes, I will be there and things would work on. But we have to hang on to our integrity and not let circumstances dictate our lives. Not let circumstances. Things are going to happen. Things are going to happen. There are going to be bad things happen to maybe us in this life and the people around us that we love. But you know, Job never lost his faith. And when God listened to everything he had to say and said, I've heard all your ignorance, Job. Don't question me. He never answered. He never got that. You know, God never answered Job to why he went through all that. But God did tell him things and basically said, I am God and you are man. Don't question me. Just believe in me and know that I'm working out for the good in you and trust me and have faith in me and do what I ask you to do. And that's what he asked us to do. Are there people that will serve, as Satan said, serve God for nothing? Yeah, Job. He had nothing and he served God. I've got everything and you do too. We're serving God. Are we serving it because God has given us these things? By his blessings we have the good things in life. We have our families and Everything in this great community here. But what if we had nothing? What if we were like these kids that uh, Mike was talking about in Africa? They have nothing. What if we were like that? Would we love God? Like, would we have the fervor and the enthusiasm to serve God? Joe had it, which means I can have it, and you can have it, and we can do it together. We can meet God in judgment, and we can hear him say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant, by keeping the faith and being people of integrity. The miserable people are those who have wealth or want it, and either worry about losing it or not being able to live in the future like they live now, or even those who have it and want more. But the happy ones are those who say, God, I don't understand why I'm in this situation, but I know that you love me. And I know that you will take care of me, and I'm going to serve you just for you being God. If there's anybody in the audience this morning that hasn't obeyed the gospel, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we're talking about a real loving Father here at Job. And it's the same loving Father that sent His Son and allowed to see Him suffer and die for us because He loves us. He didn't know us anything, but He died because... He loved us first. And if you believe that Jesus is a Christ and you're willing to confess your sins and be willing to confess Jesus as your Lord and Master and be buried in baptism, we can sit you right now. The water's waiting and everything's prepared. Why not come as Jimmy leads us and sing? I certainly hope this lesson by one of our elders, Brother Phil Barnes, was beneficial to you as we studied the book of Job. If you have any questions please feel free to call us at 615-794-2359 or you may contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody has given you this CD. If so, can I encourage you to go to that website? Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons there that you're free to download, both in audio and outline format. Download those copy them, send them to whoever you think will be benefited. Use them in whatever way you believe will glorify God. We certainly hope that God blesses you as you draw closer to Him. But more importantly, 
may you bless God.